On a night drenched in inky darkness, Mark, a beginner investor, sat alone in the dimly lit study of his old eerie house. The whisperings about a mystical stock had reached his ears, carried by the winds of financial rumors. This stock promised dividends so extravagant they whispered of immense wealth just waiting to be claimed. Drawn by the allure of riches, Mark entrusted his hard-earned savings to the enigmatic company. The dividends flowed into his account like an enchanting river, lulling him into a false sense of security. It was as if his investments were conjured by magic itself. However, the company bore a haunting name, one that hinted at a sinister past. Over time, the dividends took on an unnatural, chilling quality. They were too generous, too seductive, but something was deeply awry. One fateful evening, while Mark examined his portfolio, an eerie presence manifested within his computer screen. A ghostly figure emerged, its voice echoing with a dreadful otherworldliness. Mark, it intoned, dividends come at a cost. And that cost is your very soul. Mark's heart pounded in terror as he realized the ghastly truth about his investments. These dividends were not a gift, but a malevolent force, siphoning away his very essence with each payment. The room grew colder, and the walls seemed to close in on him. Desperate, he rushed to sell his shares, but the stock market was in chaos. As the value of his investments plummeted, Mark's face contorted in unbearable agony. He heard a chilling whisper in the darkness. The stock market is designed to transfer money from the active to the patient. Those sage words from the Oracle of Omaha now echoed like a haunting prophecy. Mark's study became a chamber of horrors, a malevolent force descending upon him. His soul had been bartered away, locked into the treacherous world of dividend investing, where greed devoured the strongest of spirits. In the depth of his avarice, he realized he had become a prisoner to his own desires, a pawn in a nightmarish game of wealth and ruin. This harrowing tale serves as a terrifying reminder that not all dividends are as they appear. The seductive promise of wealth can ensnare even the wisest investors, and sometimes the price of prosperity can be a terrifying one, leaving your soul forever haunted by the pursuit of riches. <laughs> happy, happy Halloween, everybody! It is I, Russ of the Dapper Dividends Podcast. Well, me and ChatGPT put together that little story for you. Mostly, ChatGPT did the heavy lifting and I did the reading and editing for your listening pleasure, dear dividend investing listener. Boy, now I'm glad I didn't have all those marbles in my mouth while I was reading that story to you. So thank you to Generative AI and the powers that be, and we even worked in a little bit of Warren Buffett there. How you going? How you doing? Just shout it at the radio. I don't mind. We don't mind. The people that are with you may mind, especially if you're in line at the Jewels or the Piggly Wiggly or Win Dixie. Isn't Win Dixie? Wasn't that just acquired by Albertsons? No, somebody acquired Win Dixie. I should know these things before I go talking and telling them to you. We don't want to give you bunk information on the podcast. And if you know me, you know that I am just a welder. I'm a simple, humble welder that has a passion for passive income. <laughs> I almost felt like I was going to say, I have a passion for more cowbell. Hit me with the cowbell. Thank you, Saturday Night Live, for always and forever 
burning in Christopher Walken and uh, who was that? Will Ferrell with the uh, with the cowbell. Buddy the Elf, <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. And everybody, we did get a review. And I said, I'll read a review. I'll pick one to read in each podcast from Pontosaurus Rex, who said, Russ provides a great deal of information in layman's terms for the average guy or gal looking to get into dividend investing. He occasionally covers an interesting dividend story, such as the Tylenol murders, info on a particular stock, information on his own gains, losses, and payouts. Great podcast that is fun and easy listening, and I never feel like I didn't learn something. Thank you, Russ, and thank you, Pontosaurus Rex. I love it. Make sure you leave a rating and review, and I will pick one of yours to read on the next podcast episode. We're going to talk a little bit about a stock that I've just begun selling. Now, if you have signed up for the newsletter, you've probably already been informed about this, but it's okay. I still love you. You still love me. You didn't get to hear the dividend horror story. Horror story? No, horror. We like to try and enunciate our words around here in these parts. Dividend horror story. Because that other one could be quite the different and cautionary tale. So we're going to talk about what we bought, what we sold, some dividends we received, which... uh, We'll cut to the chase right there. Dividends received this week, week zero. Absolutely zero. Nothing, nada, no dividends whatsoever. But it's okay. We can't receive, well, we could receive dividends every week, but that might cause us to be spread too thin. And quite honestly, this is something that we're kind of thinking about is paring down all the businesses we're invested in. I think you can have too many. And do you know what? Again, like Warren Buffett said, There's more than one way to get to financial heaven, meaning that you have to find out what works for you. You can't just copy Warren Buffett. You can't just copy Monish Pabrai or Guy Spear. You have to know what makes you tick. What kind, what what do they call it? Investor DNA. What kind of investor DNA do you have? So for me personally on this journey I've been in, what works best for me is buy and hold and very rarely sell. We really only want to sell if our thesis is broken or if we see a much better opportunity, like I'm going to get to with the stock that we started selling uh, for the one that we started buying. Personally, could be wrong. We don't know the future. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I don't know the future. I know. Breaking news. I hate to burst your bubble and let you down, but this passive, passionate income, no. Passionate passive income investor that happens to be a welder with a YouTube channel, podcast, and a newsletter, and sometimes goes on Twitter, which you can hit me up at RustyRam78. Hey, I check it at least twice a day, okay? Not that bad, but (laughs) anywho, let's do a little bit of dividend news for you. And again, this is all brought to you by SimplySafeDividends.com. They have this little tab there called Latest, and it's just a bunch of news that regards dividend stocks that they put in there. So the first one is D, Dominion. Did you know there's a hotel called the D? There's also another nickname for the D. It's um, <laughs> it's adult, but we'll just leave it at that. It's not, bi- well, it could be Big D. Big D is Dallas, uh, but yeah, the D. So in the world of stocks and investing, D is Dominion, ticker D, uh, they have a dividend safety score of 70. They reaffirmated, which I don't believe is a word, but was, they reaffirmed. 
they said why investors should ignore TRC's mini tender offer. I didn't get into that, apologies, but if you wanted to sign up, do that. Ticker EL, Estee Lauder, they downgraded Estee Lauder. Yeah, they're a dividend paying stock. They have a headline that says, slow recovery in Asia travel retail. Let me do that again. Slow recovery in Asia travel retail keeps Estee Lauder's payout ratio elevated. So tied into Asia, they downgraded them 2.12% dividend yield. Then they grew that dividend 10% in November of 2022. So it's borderline safe, 60 Estee Lauder. Ticker MPLX, which is in the oil and gas storage and transportation. They are a midstream operator. They're owned 65% majority by Marathon Petroleum. They raised that dividend 9.7%, which is their 11th straight year of payout growth. Dude, 9.53% dividend yield, but a 41 safety score, which is borderline. So be careful if you own MPLX. AEP, the electric utility company, company, raised their dividend 6%, which they have been paying dividends Every quarter since 1910, they raised it 6%. We just said that. 4.70% yield, 81 of a very safe dividend safety score. So AEP, interesting one to maybe look into if you are all about the electric utilities. Good old Visa. Ticker V raised their dividend 16%. They have a dividend safety score of 99. So their dividend yield is only 0.91, but... Lanny from the Dividend Diplomats bought this way back when. I don't remember. His yield on cost is is silly. Uh, I should have remembered that. But it, it's a, it just shows the power of compounding and especially that yield on cost. Because when you buy something and the dividend keeps raising, well, eventually you're going to get all the money back. And it takes a while. And that's why we say in the game of dividend growth investing, We're not trying to get rich quick. That's not what we do. We're trying to get rich slowly and predictably. And like Warren Buffett again says, people just don't want to do that. They don't want to get rich slow. So Visa raised that dividend 16%. Way to go, Visa. (laughs) But only a 0.91% dividend yield. Amphenol, which is an electronics component company, ticker APH, raised their dividend 4.8%, which is their 12th year of dividend raises, 1.11%. Again, you don't have to worry about these little dividend yields because if they grow them fast, then there's that whole chart, which I'll get for you guys one day, about companies that have a high yield but slow growth versus companies that have a low starting yield but fast dividend growth. And it takes a little while, but the ones that are low yield, fast growth over time will be much better. They refresh their outlook on Dow Chemical, ticker D-O-W. Dude, they have a 5.82% dividend yield for Dow. 45 45 borderline, goodness gracious, 45 borderline safety score. There's a lot of news. We got to get to these quick. I'm going to just go rapid fire now, I think. Marathon Petroleum raised their dividend 10%, which is their second annual consecutive increase, 2.26%. The data center REIT Equinix, by the way, link in the description below. I did a video and I have a spreadsheet for you. We analyzed over 100 REITs and we have debt profiles on them. Very interesting if you're thinking of investing for the long run into REITs. 
So Equinix raised their dividend 25% because it reflects the high demand for cloud computing and artificial intelligence. 2.4% yield 86. Very safe. Way to go, Equinix. Kimco Realty increased their dividend 4.3%, but it remains almost 15% below the pre-pandemic level. Kind of funny about Kimco, they have a property that is in Downers Grove on 75th and Lamont Road, where there's like a TJ Maxx and a Best Buy, and we were walking in there a few years ago. Dude, the garbage can was overflowing on the ground, so I tagged them. I took a picture tagged it on Twitter, and they actually responded and said, we'll get somebody to take care of that. So I was like, not a good look, Kimco, not a good look. They raised that dividend 4.3%, which is a good look, 5.7% yield. Simply Safe reaffirmed WP Carry as an unsafe dividend rating because of the spinoff, which is ticker NLOP. They're going to be spinning off their office properties, and they expect them to cut the dividend. Rockwell. They're the leader in industrial automation, raised their dividend 5.9%, which is their 14th straight year of higher payouts, 1.91% dividend yield for Rockwell, ticker ROK. Old ExxonMobil, ticker XOM, raised their dividend 4.4%, which is their 41st consecutive year of dividend increases. They're going for that dividend kingdom. They want it. 3.6% yield, safety score of 80. AbV, ticker ABBV. Raised their dividend 4.7%. That's a spinoff. They were spun out of Abbott Laboratories. And they have now done much better than the parent that spun them off. I don't know. I wanted to say spun them out. Spin them out? They're the spinner. The spinner and the spinny. Spinneret. Spinneret, I think, was a band or a group that had Brody Dahl in it. From the fabled distillers. A little bit of punk rock there for you. Spinneret. Check them out. So that was AbbVie, 4.46% yield. Yay, way to go, AbbVie. Principal Financial Group, ticker PFG, raised that dividend 3.1%. 4% dividend yield, safety score of 72. Walgreens has held their dividend flat for the sixth consecutive quarter. And this is something we talked about in the stock we sold. You don't have to be that concerned. They still have a dividend streak intact. So there's four quarters in a year, eight quarters in two years. So if a company raises their dividend in the spring of the first quarter of the first year, and then they raise that dividend in the last quarter of the second year, it looks like almost two years has gone by, but they raised it in year one and they raised it in year two. So something to keep aware of. They they still have a dividend streak intact and... Yeah, that's just something that you need to be aware of. It doesn't have to be four quarters. It has to be in that calendar year uh, from what I understand to count. So Walgreens, dividend safety score of 30, a yield of 9%. Yeah, I think they're going to cut. It said, yeah, their CEO, they have a new CEO. And hey, that dividend, it just goes to show companies are not beholden. It's not sacrosanct. It's not owed to you. It's not a family member paying you money that they're obligated by law. No, it's just, dude, they can cut that and do that at any time. So I have a feeling it might be getting cut. Uh, ExxonMobil is going to be acquiring Pioneer, ticker PXD, in an all-stock deal. And if you own Pioneer, you will receive 2.3234 shares of ExxonMobil for that. So 
Pioneer, there you go. <clears throat> and then lastly, what is now known as Kelanova, which was Kellogg's, they adjusted the dividend lower by 6.7% because they spun off their cereal division into its own entity, which is KLG. And it looks like KLG is going to pay a dividend, which will keep them whole. So it's not a cut yet until we see what KLG uh, announces as a dividend. So that, ladies and gents, is your news. We had a few buys this week. We bought six shares of Johnson & Johnson. It's been beaten down. It's at a 52-week low for $146.12. Bought four shares of Vici Properties, ticker VICI, at $27.61, which, by the way, because they own the Venetian and the Sphere, I believe is on Venetian property, is how that worked out. So... The Vici Properties REIT owns the land that the Sphere is on. So kind of cool. One more interesting thing about Vici. I listened to their earnings call this week, and I'm confident with them. They bought 39 or 8, 39 Bolero Bowling Centers because they're trying to expand into experiential family businesses as well as the gaming and owning most of the Las Vegas Strip. So Vici Properties, I like their CEO, Ed Petoniak, and his team. And then we bought another share of Toronto Dominion because they fell under 55 bucks. Ticker TD, tickler ticky, ticky TD, at $54.97. So that's what we bought in stock. So we got some money, though, from J&J &J because we sold seven shares of Selenies, ticker CE. We sold those at $114.15. We had 25 shares at a cost basis of $100.14. So we're up about 14% on those shares, and we just decided to sell them. I mean, so here's the thing. We Again, we talked about, remember, we don't want to sell shares unless our thesis for investing has been busted or we can find a better opportunity for that money. So we don't necessarily not like Selenies, but for a couple reasons I'll share with you. Well, one of them, Johnson & Johnson, is down 16% over the past year, right? And I think there's many reasons for that. Like, you know, the treasury rates, the 10-year uh, the is up around almost 5%, 4.84% last, I think we saw at least. That's sucking income investors away. Patent cliffs with, I think, Stellara has a patent cliff coming up that they don't seem too worried about, does J&J, &J, meaning the patent is expiring. So biosimilars, the generics can start making Stellara. The potential, I think, for single-payer healthcare system is always there. We don't know how that would affect it. Uh, these companies and also Medicare that they are negotiating drug prices. So I think a lot of this is creating uncertainty and we know that the stock market just doesn't like uncertainty. So I wanted to take advantage and go more into J&J because &J I'm convicted. I have a higher conviction in Johnson & Johnson. So I feel comfortable consolidating other positions into J&J. &J. I do like, I know we joke about him, Count Duarto, Joaquin Duarto, who's the CEO of J&J. &J. I do like him. I think that he's good people from what I can tell. <laughs> Just reading, I've never met the man, but I think J&J is going to be fine. And also we had initially become aware of Selenies when Berkshire Hathaway started buying them. And as we shared in the newsletter, the last quarter, 
that Berkshire started paring down their position in Selenies 39%. They sold off, they decreased their position, their holding in Selenies 39%. So Selenies, who are they? What do they do? From their own website, they say that you'll find Selenies chemicals and material solutions in many consumer goods, including compact camera modules, sports equipment, gardening tools, cookware, personal care products, small and large appliances, eyewear, toys, and much, much more. That's what they do. They also acquired uh, a, from DuPont a mobility and materials division which is going to, they say, be accretive, meaning it's going to bring in more cash for them, of course. But they paid $11 billion for that. So we'll see in a minute how that affected things. But essentially, Selenese has a ton of chemicals that are in everything. And especially they're trying to move more into being, you know, behind the scenes in EV in that regard as well. They also make cigarette filters. That's an interesting thing. So not a huge position of their business, but just one thing to be aware about. So yeah, again, we're up about 14%. Selenese has a dividend growth streak of 13 years. They increased that dividend 26% CAGR over the last 10 years. Super high. 17 years, uninterrupted dividend streak, 13 years dividend growth. But again, they going back to 2019, in the spring of 2019, they raised the dividend, and then they didn't raise it again until the fall of 2020. Yeah, there were a lot of things that happened then, but that's the thing. It's one raise at the beginning of 19 and a raise at the end of 20, whole lot of quarters in between there, but it still counts. So no, Mike, the dividend guy, they did not forget to raise the dividend from what I can tell. And it's just kind of been their MO a little bit back, but that's still more compounding we're not getting. And that's something that we would like to see a little bit more quicker. So we sold those on October 27th, which actually happened to be their ex-dividend date. So a little bit of sneakiness there and, and why we were kind of waiting another day. So we could at least get the dividend on those seven shares. Because if you don't know, as long as you hold a stock on the beginning of the ex-dividend date, when the market opens then you qualify for that dividend, even if you sell on the ex-dividend date. So that's uh, is a sneaky way that we squeaked out one more payment. But that dividend by Selenies is really well covered by the free cash flow, only 28%, which is stupidly low. They can easily cover the dividend with their free cash flow, but return on equity, return on capital have been going the wrong direction, declining over the last few years. Again, talking about that mobility and materials division they bought from DuPont for $11 billion. That shot their net debt up from 47% to 69%, right? Bill and Ted, 69, 69% net debt. So that went up and that dropped their interest coverage ratio down to 1.53. And you're like, Russ, what the hell is interest coverage ratio? I don't know what that is. Well, little Bobby, I'm going to tell you. Interest coverage ratio is how many dollars of operating income you have to cover every $1 of interest expense. So in the case of Selenies, it means they have $1.53 of operating income to cover every $1 of interest expense, which is yucky. That's a little bit, doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room. And in 2021, before they had done the acquisition, dude, they were at $22.46. So that steep drop-off is a little bit nervous because 
Why is that so important? Well, from what I understand, if you can't pay the interest on the debt, you got big problems and you could go into default. So that's one thing that when you see that, if a company's having cover, having problems paying the interest on the debt, look out below. They are going to take drastic measures and likely cut a dividend to ensure that they don't go into default. So yeah, we just think Selenies, you know, they're going to be okay. They're going to be all right for years to come, but we just feel like Johnson & Johnson has more upside potential from here. Again, I like the company. I can understand what they do probably a little bit better. And it feels funny saying that, but Warren Buffett had a saying that they don't understand the pipeline of the pharmaceutical companies, but they do understand that if they buy them cheap enough and at a discount, then it's going to work out because you don't know which drug. And I don't know how I would learn which drug in the pipeline of J&J is going to be the next blockbuster drug is going to be the next Stellara. So with that being said, we have to buy these companies. I think the bio, the bio companies, but again, with J&J, they also have, remember, they spun off Kenview. They have the medical technology devices like Abiomed, that like the heart pumps and whatnot, and they have the pharmaceuticals. So that's the J&J now. Kenview, the consumer health stuff, which is all like the, the brands you see on products when you go to Walgreens or CVS, or your jewels or your piggly wiggly like uh, Lysol, I think Lysol, <laughs> Listerine, Tylenol. You all, obviously you also have the baby powder, Johnson and Johnson. You know the shampoo, so all that stuff. But J and J, they've been raising that dividend for sixty consecutive years, hundred and seven years that they have paid a dividend every year. So that is really cool. I have a nine percent twenty year CAGR. And they last raised that dividend 5.3% in April. So just really good, really nice. But I think uh, also they have 25 platforms that are $1 billion in annual revenue each. So I think they're just going to be okay in the long run. And hey, they're working on it. They're working on what they're going to do next and grow the company and keep it moving and shaking. And they're more focused now. So that's what we bought, everybody. That's what we sold. That's what we bought. And again, if you didn't get the newsletter, go to dapperdividends.com, click the link in the show notes, sign up for it there, and have at it, man. Thank you for listening. I really, really do appreciate your listenership. I'd love for you to share, you know, what stuff you've been buying or selling, what's moving and shaking in your portfolio uh, at RustyRam78 on X, on Twitter, whatever the hell you want to call it. Or you can email me, Russ, at dapperdividends.com. And make sure you leave a review like, Ponosaurus Rex did, and I'll read it on the next podcast for you, dear dividend investing listener. I've been Russ. I'll be Russ the next time we combine, and you will be my dear devoted dividend investing listener that I look forward to coming into your ear holes for about 30 minutes or so. Thank you. I hope you come back next time, and I will talk to you then. So long, everybody.